0: Well, good morning. It's great to be with you today. I'm excited about getting to bring the Word of God to us this morning. I am Brian Telzerow, uh, the pastor of Congregational Life, uh, and uh, have uh, been a part of this community in some way, shape, or form probably for the last close to 30 years. And so it's wonderful to be able to get to open up God's Word. Um, I attended a funeral a week or so ago of my high school principal. His name was Marv Waal. Um, his decision to bring Young Life to Union High School back in 1977 um, had a profound opportunity for me to be able to hear the gospel at a Young Life camp later that summer. And on July 15, 1978, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Ten years to the day that I got married to Becky Tells the So July 15 is a special day in my life. But one of my favorite things about going to a funeral, I know that sounds a little odd, but I do. I like going to funerals because I love to hear the testimony of those who knew this person well and how their life impacted them particularly. How those that were closest to them were affected by the relationship. Now, at Union High School, I worked in the bookstore uh, and so I traveled about the offices quite a bit, so I got to know my principal pretty well for good reasons. Some of us, maybe not so good reasons, knowing our principal. But later on in life, uh, Becky's parents were in a social group with Evanderwell, so we continued a little bit of that connection uh, as we journeyed through our adult life. But what was most significant was Marv's desire to have young life in his high school And I presume because of the impact it was having on his kids who attended East Kentwood High School where they had Young Life, which also coincidentally happened to be the school my wife attended. Now, if you read my bio in the fifth website, you'll see that the name of Mike Rinker, Mike was the Young Life staff person uh, who started hanging out at Union High School when I was a junior. Now, Mike sat with me uh, on a beautiful Colorado night uh, on that July 15th, when I confessed my faith to Jesus Christ. I am eternally grateful to Marvin and to Mike for them exercising the gifts that they were given and the benefit that I received from them. Now, I tell you this as an invitation to hear the Scriptures this morning that were fulfilled by what these guys did with their part in the role in the body of Christ. So we read from 1 Peter 4, 7-11. through 11. And Peter writes, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one of us should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as the one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms this passage makes up my title use whatever gift you have received to serve others say that with me will you use whatever gift you have received to serve others now we are continuing our fall series today called healthy habits predictable patterns for spiritual growth in this series we're looking at eight healthy habits that foster spiritual growth If practiced, these habits become predictable patterns in our lives that place us before the Lord so that he can transform us, so Jesus can do the work in our lives. Last week, John talked about rest, Sabbath rest, as Jesus modeled as a necessary habit for spiritual health and growth. Today, we're looking at the habit of serving. This is not in contrast to last week's message. Uh, Six days God created... God worked. God served, if you will. And on the seventh day, he rested. So this week, we are to use whatever gift we have received to serve others. And I'm grateful to Marvin and Mike for them fulfilling that practice or using that habit in their lives for my benefit. Now, Peter says a lot in this passage, so I want to unpack a little bit of this. And I've entitled this section, Surrendering Our Behavior. And I'll unpack that a little bit more in just a minute. So first of all, verse 7. The end of all things is near, Peter writes. Therefore, be clear and self-controlled so that you can pray. Now, some scholars will say this is really referring to the end times. But certainly, as those times come near, or even our life on this earth come near what is important is suddenly becomes very clear to us. So Peter writes, therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And as John talked about, that's a conversation we're having with God. And as we near the end times and near the end of our lives, we want that conversation to be very real, genuine, intimate, and open with each other. This... Uh, Prayer it was the second, second healthy habit that John talked about a couple of weeks ago. The first one was on Scripture. And prayer the second week and last week was resting, and today we're looking at serving. And so in verse 8, Peter writes, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Amen to that? Praise God for that, indeed. A loving community is what believers should be characterized by. When people see the church, they should see, see what love really looks like, how we treat one another, how we care for one another, how we speak to one another. We're not quite there yet. I think we have a ways to go to help fulfill what, that, what Peter is trying to get us to do. But one of the things he says, one ways that we can show our love for one another is by how we serve one another. And he jumps into this in verse 9 where he says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now that infers something, doesn't it? That we can offer hospitality with grumbling. And I thought, what a ridiculous statement. But then I started to think, I'd probably do this way more than I think. Uh, we had our small group over this last week. And I lo- we love having people over. But some of this is that prep stuff that you do, you know, sweeping the floors, cleaning the toilets, getting the house ready for people to come in. And I had to give a self-check to myself this year, or this week, and say, yeah, I'd probably do that with a little bit of grumbling. And so I've got some work to do to be able to offer that hospitality without grumbling. And then he says in verse 10, use whatever gift you have to receive to serve others. Which also infers that you could use whatever gift you receive to serve ourselves, indeed. Serving ourselves cannot be further from the truth of what God intends for us. In fact, did you know that our own self-centeredness is really the definition of sin in our lives? Serving ourselves is the antithesis to being Christ-like. I mean, think about it. What were Adam and Eve wanting? Something to serve themselves. What was Satan trying to get from Jesus in the temptations of Christ? He was trying to get Jesus to do something for himself. What gives us the biggest problem in life? It's usually when I'm just serving myself instead of serving others. Rick Warren writes in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, sometimes it takes years, but eventually you discover that the greatest hindrance to God's blessing in your life is not others, it is yourself. Your self-will will stubborn pride, and personal ambition. You cannot fulfill God's purpose for your life while focusing on your own plans. Following Christ requires us to surrender to the lordship of Christ in our life. Surrendering our behavior. Surrendering is really not a popular word in our culture. The Apostle Paul encourages us to live sacrificially be living sacrifices, giving ourselves completely to God's service, not ourselves. We surrender our wills by being obedient to the will of God. Peter practiced this earlier with his disciples when they uh, were out fishing one night and caught nothing. And Jesus comes along in the morning and says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And Peter says, Lord, we've been out all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, We'll throw our nets on the other side. And what happened? Massive amount of fish that happened. He was obedient. He was surrendering their behavior to God's desire. Surrendering to God does not weaken you. It strengthens you. Surrender to God and you don't have to surrender to fear or surrender to anything else. E. Stanley Jones, who was a Methodist ministry and was really kind of known as the Billy Graham of India, has this quote. He says, if you don't surrender to Christ... You surrender to chaos. There is a moment of surrender, and there is the practice of surrender, which is moment by moment and lifelong. Warren says that we must make surrendering a daily habit. It's something we are engaged in every day to reflect the love of Christ in our lives. So, in order to use your gift to serve others, what do you need to know about yourself? What's your gift? How do you know what to share with others? So I want to take a few moments here and look at a few verses in the New Testament that might give us a little bit of a picture of what some of those gifts might be. Now this is not really a message about your spiritual gifts. Uh, this is something we do have to know, but this is about taking that gift and being able to use it for the sake of others. So first, uh, when you, all of these passages we're going to look at are written by Paul, who often describes himself as a servant. So listen to what he says here to his letter to the the Ephesians. So Christ himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ we identified those gifts for the works of service that brings about unity in the sake of the body. We all need to know what that gift is. He continues in Romans 12. For each of us has one one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, for each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do so je- uh, diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. There is a plethora of of gifts identified in here, and there's far more. These are not exhaustive lists uh, of what those gifts are. There's a bunch of them out there. And we do so not in order to receive salvation, but more as a reflection of God's grace in our lives as he writes. Now, I want to continue with another passage. It's a little bit longer, so I didn't put it in, uh, up on the slide. So I'm going to read this uh, in a way, and a couple of highlights are going to pop up as we do read this. But he writes this in 1 Corinthians 12. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we all are baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? And it is as it is, there are many parts, but one body. And he continues, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, retreat treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty. While our presentable parts need and no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given them greater honor to the parts that lack it so that there should be no division in the body, but that in its parts they should have equal concern for one another or for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No. But eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now, he reflects a bit, or I do a little bit, on where these gifts come from. It's God who's given us a particular gift for the sake of the body. Each one of us, God has put together and given greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there, is, there should be no division, there should be unity among us, but that these parts should have equal concern for each other which means your gift matters to me and my gift should matter to you. We should matter to each other in what role God has given us for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of the body. We know it doesn't take much in our bodies for pain and suffering to happen within, the, and within its context. And so again, we are in this together and we need to be seen in this together. So its parts have equal concern for each other. Your gift matters to me. My gift matters to you. So use whatever your gift is, whatever you have received, to serve others. So surrendering our behavior has to do with our gifts. I also believe we need to surrender our attitude. You see, it appears to me in looking at all these passages, there is a connection between what we do and how we do it. Both in Romans and this Corinthians passage, they follow the description of gifts with a very clear and identified understanding of what it means to love. We've also seen this in Peter's passage here. He says before, using your gifts to love each other deeply. Well, and in Romans, he unpacks that too as well. He says, again, treat one another with, with great hospitality. Uh, hate what is evil. Be kind to one another in the process. And he does the same thing here in the Corinthians passage, in, in, in chapter th- 13. I want to show you the most excellent way, he says. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship, and that I, excuse me, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I am nothing." Clearly, how we serve is as important as serving. I want to share one more example, uh, but this time from the Old Testament. And it comes uh, from the book of Genesis. In the early days, there was a character named Joseph. And he was the youngest of 12 at the time. I wonder, how many youngest do we have in the, in, uh, the congregation? We have a few youngest. Let me guess, were you picked on a little bit by your older brother or sister? Yes, with with consistent nods. That was kind of a regular occurrence. Well, you know what? Joseph was as well. But you know what? Sometimes as younger brothers and sisters, we bring this on to ourselves a little bit uh, with some of our behaviors. And Joseph was no exception to that. In fact, he had a dream and he wanted to share this dream with his brothers. In fact, he does it twice. uh, That his older brothers were going to serve the younger one. Well, they had had enough. And decided that they were going to sell their younger brother or sister. Now, I know that may sound like a good idea right now to some of you. uh, But I want to say, don't practice this at home. These guys were professionals. Uh, So, Joseph was sold and wound up being part of the king's palace as a servant. And instead of being bitter about his circumstances, Joseph used whatever gift he had received to serve others. How do we know that? Well, I want to check this out in Genesis uh, chapter 39. You see, Joseph, uh, while he was sold initially from his brothers, was sold again, but this time to the captain guard of the Pharaoh's household, to Potiphar. And the description goes as such. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything that he had owned. Now, as I read that, I begged the question, what did Potiphar see in Joseph? that made it so obvious that the Lord was with him? Was it his attitude? Was it his behavior? Or maybe it was his success. What did he see in that? Last night, I was preparing. Uh, I was actually away, staying in a hotel, and so I was just thumbing through some channels. Of what, and I came across a show of Everybody Loves Raymond. Ray Romano. You guys familiar with Ray Romano a little bit? Uh, Maybe not everybody, but Ray was an older brother to Robert. Ray had gotten married, and Robert had just gotten married. And so Ray was going to share some wisdom uh, to his younger brother. And I, I didn't catch that conversation. I caught the after conversation when Ray was confronted by his wife, Deborah, for the advice he had given his younger brother. Uh, and the, the vice, it sounded like, he had told him, he says, you know, when you're, you, you, you got, you're asked to do some things in the household and you don't really want to do them, don't do them really good. Because what's going to happen is she's going to see you not do it really good and just say, forget about it, I'll just do it myself. And Ray got caught uh, in this one, recognizing, and it was trying to defend himself, and he had no uh, defense in the things that he was doing. And then he was upset at Robert for giving away his secret uh, kind of things. Well, I, that's not what Joseph was doing here in this particular case. Joseph took the opportunity, no matter what his circumstance was, to do it to its fullest potential to honor God and not the person necessarily he was working for. Well, this happens again. Unfortunately, Joseph's in a situation where he gets accused falsely and is thrown in prison. And in in Genesis 39, it says, But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden, so that the warden put Joseph in charge of all those who held in prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything that was under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And the Lord was with him in all he did. I got to believe his attitude, his actions, and the way that demonstrated that, that made him a witness for the benefits of being a believer. This happens again in Joseph's life when he interprets a dream of the Pharaoh, and he's appointed number two in charge of everything. Scripture says that Joseph was 37 when, he, when this had happened, and he was 17 when he was sold uh, to, uh, by his brother's. And so he has spent nearly 20 years in service, and somehow the Lord was with him in all that he did in those circumstances. And then the final scene that comes in Genesis, more to this, but in this confrontation, there's an opportunity here where Joseph discovers his brothers are coming to him for a need. They initially don't recognize him, but when they do, there is great fear and trembling that comes, that what will the number two person in Egypt do to them when they realize we are the ones that sold him. But there's this remarkable line that Joseph speaks about his attitude and how he served. He says, when you meant for, for my harm, God meant for good. He had a perspective in everything he did. It was about honoring God and not necessarily his brothers, not the warden, not the chief or the captain of the guard. He was serving Christ in all he did. Whatever he did, whatever he received, he used that gift to what? Serve others. Now, our attitudes, our behavior has an impact. So now, what do we do? How do we go about practicing this healthy habit of service? Well, first of all, you got to know what your gift is. And so I encourage you, if you don't, start serving in places. That will start to reveal some of that stuff. Uh, and if you want, there's multiple opportunities to do a spiritual gifts inventory that's available. We'll probably have some opportunities here in the near future for it to help you discover that gift because we all need to be engaged in whatever that is. The more you do, the clearer the picture will come. You can also, again, recognize that whatever your gift is, it is for the sake of serving others wherever you go. Now, let me give you some direct examples of this in my life. First of all, if you ever have my wife over for dinner, she will look for a way to help serve the dinner or to clean up. Uh, She has a servant's heart like no other. Whether it's at at home or at work or with friends, she is a true joy to have around. I have another friend who automatically just goes to the kitchen when it's time to clean things up. The family will say, where did gear go? And all you have to do is go to the kitchen. Because that's where Gare's going to be. He's cleaning things up. Um, I have another friend, Steve, who uh, has been the CEO of of many different uh, corporations. He was uh, involved with the Gap uh, in human resource areas recognized and had control over a lot of folks. Family Christian bookstores. And recently, he's now the CEO of the Tim Tebow Foundation. And uh, Steve has come back to Kuiper College in my years of, of serving and teaching there uh, to teach a class, to share from his experience involved and engaged in the folks uh, that he's leading. And uh, Steve did this exercise with my class that I wanted to kind of point out to you. Uh, you notice that there's a garbage can that's sitting here. And Steve would throw that garbage can uh, right in front of the door and would throw a couple of sh- uh, sheets of paper at the door. And what he was wondering is to see as students walked in What did they do with those pieces of paper sitting on the floor? One, did they even notice it? And two, did they do anything about it? And his challenge was to be a problem solver, not a problem avoider. There's a lot of people in our lives that fit in one of those two categories. And now, if I am anywhere... The challenge is when it's massive, it's hard to clean up everything that's there. But if I see a a piece of paper in the grass out on the golf course when I'm coaching, if I see it in the hallways up here, I cannot walk by these. Because his words ring really loud in my head. Because I want to be a problem solver, not a problem avoider. No matter whose job it is to do those kind of activities. Now the other thing Steve did... Uh, was at the end of one of his messages and things, he created a shirt and has started passing these out to his employees. And it happens to be the T-shirt that I'm wearing today. You read this? Wake up, serve, repeat. That is his mantra for living life. I thought, what a great witness. You are, as a leader of your company, to be able to demonstrate that in whatever circumstances you might find yourselves So look for ways that you can serve whatever the the situation might be. Secondly, serve with an attitude that clearly shows that God is with you. If you do all these things and do them without love, you're nothing. So serve joyfully, love deeply, as Peter writes. Lastly, whatever you do in serving for the Lord, do it as serving for the Lord. Peter finishes his section this way. If anyone speaks, he should do so as one speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Finish this sentence with me. Use whatever gift you've received to serve others. Let's pray. Lord I give you thanks for this morning Uh, the opportunity again we have to gather in your place to be able to be the body of Christ many members forming one body each of us has a function to play a role to play that benefits the body as a whole Lord I pray that we would be diligent young and old alike to figure out what our gift is to be able to serve your kingdom's purposes and we may serve others by doing so Lord, help us not only to know it, but also to be able to do it with great joy and with a great heart, loving you and loving others deeply. So as we've been talking through this series with these healthy habits, Lord, service is one of those clear ways of which we can demonstrate to the world of your presence in our lives. And maybe there might be somebody like a warden, somebody like the captain of the guard might see your presence in our lives and give great honor to you because of how we've served. Thanks, Lord, for this gift and opportunity. In Christ's name, amen.